Well, welcome to Ignite Church. Uh, my name is Pastor Jody. I'm the lead pastor here, and I just want to welcome you all here. Uh, I know that uh, with the weather finally picking up, that everybody would probably rather be outside, and uh, one of these days we're going to walk outside and just have church one of, one of these nice days. But uh, we're here now, so we're going to soak in what God has in store for us. I'm still on cloud nine. Last week we had three people give their life to the Lord. Amen. God is still in the saving business. And uh, last week we talked about, we started a new series called Discipleship 101. And this is really the simplistic view of what discipleship truly is. And unfortunately what we don't have in the church today is a lot of discipleship going on. We can see that throughout the nation. We can see that throughout our society that we don't have a lot of what we would call biblical discipleship going on. And so last week we tried to set the tone of what discipleship is going to look like. Uh, and there's four life stages that people will go through. And that is of the seeker, that person that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And they may be searching for something. If you look at society today, somebody or everybody, I should say, is looking for something. They just don't know what yet. And then you have what we call the follower, the one that has finally made the decision to follow Jesus, to allow Jesus to come in their life and for them to kind of uh, start the process of what we would call sanctification and or discipleship. And then you have what's called the owner. The owner is the one that is sold out, the one that is uh, starting to, to seek God in everything that they do and in, in their plan and in their process and in their purpose in life. And then you have... Uh, what we'll talk about next week is what's called the reproducer. The reproducer is the actual disciple maker. In other words, what I'm going to do as a reproducer is I'm going to take people who are either in that seeking phase and or uh, the follower or owner phase, and I'm going to pour into them more of what God is revealing to me as well as what God has in his word. So what we teach here uh, quite often is, I should say just about every Sunday, read your Bible. If you're a follower or you're an owner, or you're a reproducer, you need to be reading your Bible every day. You need to be praying every day. You need to be repenting every day. And then you need to apply what you're learning every single day. And that will get you to a place to where you can become a reproducer. And that's what the goal of every Christian should be, is that I become a reproducer. That I am giving what God has given me to somebody else. I'm showing them the way. I'm showing them the light. I'm showing them the truth through the word of God. And so, Today we're going to talk more about the seeker, uh, and then next week we're going to talk about the uh, follower, the owner, and the reproducer before we get into Easter. I have an 18-year-old, a 16-year-old, and twin 8-year-olds, and so my communication to them or the way that I talk to them is completely different than when I talk to the 18 and the 16-year-old. Uh, the way that I talk to them, I have to kind of reform my uh, my words and my, the way that I talk to them to my eight-year-olds. And so uh, sometimes when I'm talking very mature to the 18 and 16-year-olds, I have to talk more kid-like to the eight-year-olds. And to top it off, I have uh, two girls and two boys. And so when I'm talking to the girls, I have to talk in a different way than I do the boys. And so if you've got kids and they're multiple genders, you kind of know, I shouldn't say multiple genders, either uh, girl or boy, uh, you're, you're going to have, you know, ways that you talk to them. Uh, for, for most of us guys, we talk to our daughters a little bit different than we talk to uh, our boys. And so I'm learning, you know, over the years of how to talk to each one of them. You, you can't just 
you know, all four of them are completely different. So I have to learn to talk to them in different ways and different stages of their life. As a follower of Jesus Christ and a reproducer of Jesus Christ, I have to do the same thing when I'm talking to somebody who is a seeker. I have to talk to them in a different way than I would somebody who was an owner or, excuse me, a follower or an owner or even another reproducer who is learning to be that, that, that Paul, as we talked about last week. We talked about having a Barnabas or an Ananias in your life. And so what, the way that I talk to a seeker is going to really determine on how I can bring them into a conversation and or discipleship as a follower of Jesus Christ is to make disciples. That, that should be all of ours because what we're here to do is kingdom build. We're not just here to come and have church and, you know, play church and, you know, do all the checkmark stuff. No, we are to go out and seek and save the lost. God's going to send people in our lives so that we can go out and seek and save the lost. you got to know how to talk to them. So who is a seeker? Who is a seeker? Well, for our first point this morning is who is a seeker? A seeker is someone who is not yet in a relationship with Jesus Christ. These people could be very spiritual. We have a world full of spiritual people out there that are going to go to hell because they don't know Jesus Christ. My Bible and what I believe and what I think I, what I know that I can prove is that Jesus Christ is the only way. Okay, so any other way is, is, uh, is heresy, is hypocritical, is uh, false religion. And so uh, what I would do when I'm talking to somebody who is a seeker is first explain to them what God has done in my life. That is what I would call sharing a testimony. And so there's people out there that are seeking. There are people that are in the church today that are seekers that are looking for something a little bit different. They don't know exactly what. And unfortunately in the church today, what we have is we have a lot of de-churched people. And what that means is they've never been to church. Their parents didn't get to take them to church. Uh, they weren't raised in the church. They don't know anything about a church. Or you have what are called the unchurched. Those who were hurt by the church uh, whether it was the church or somebody in the church who have, or they just saw the religion of the church and they walked away. That's what I was. I was an unchurched or a, a, a de-churched person. Uh, I grew up in the church, but I didn't like the hypocrisy of it, so I walked away, walking away so far that I talked myself into being an atheist uh, up until I was 33 years old when I finally gave my life to the Lord. And so a seeker is somebody who is who is maybe sometimes don't even know what they're looking for. Have, how many times have you ever met that one person that is just hopeless? And then the moment they hear the gospel, they're like, they're full of hope. They're full of joy. They're full of just that love that only Jesus can give. And so we've been, we, when we see somebody give their life to the Lord, we see them go from that seeker to that follower stage. And so a seeker, you've got to identify them first, is someone who doesn't necessarily know Jesus Christ. Also, a seeker is someone who consciously or subconsciously is looking for God. We were all made in the image of God. Amen? Okay, so what that means is that we have some part of God in us that makes us want to search for something to worship. It may be not Jesus Christ, but we're looking for something to worship, whether it's our jobs or whether it's our money, whether it's our kids, whether it's our whatever that is, we're looking for something to worship. You can look back in time and see uh, uh, um, cultures just looking for something to worship. And most of the time they're worshiping the wrong thing. They're worshiping a sun god or a mytho mythological god. But 
We worship as a follower of Jesus Christ, as an owner, as a reproducer. I follow and worship Jesus Christ who died for my sins. History knows it. The word of God uh, predicted it. I mean, we've seen the major, major things happen in the word of God. But you've got to know the word of God in order to understand that. And so what we want to do is we, as we see those people, we want to make sure that um, we're not talking to them in a way that would scare them off. Okay, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that in here just a little bit. But a seeker is somebody, Jesus calls us fishers of men. You know what fishers, fishermen do? And this is, not, this is not a ploy of Christianity, just so you know. But God gave a great example of, or Jesus gave a great example of how we are to go out and seek those who want to know more about God or whatever spiritual thing that they're looking for. A fisherman goes out and he throws out his bait. And we're talking about rod and reels. Back then they used to throw out nets. And they would let the nets set. And the fish would come into it. And then they would pull out the fish. That's exactly what we are supposed to do. We are to go out and, and set the net. Two things. First of all, it's my, my lifestyle. What does my lifestyle look like? It doesn't look like I'm walking like Jesus Christ. The second thing are my words. Am I talking like Jesus Christ? Those two things will pull people in more than, faster than anything else. The way that I walk, the way that, you know, that I'm not the hypocrite when I, you know, claim to know Jesus Christ. And the next thing you know, you hear me tell a dirty joke or cuss, you know, or just, you know, not serve or give or love or anything like that. I've got to go out and walk the walk as I'm talking the talk. And so the gospel is what saves, not necessarily my lifestyle. And so as I speak, I'm speaking the gospel. I'm speaking the truth of God through his word. And the only way that you can speak it is to know it. If you're not reading it, you're not going to know it. So this is for those that are followers, owners, and reproducers. You've got to know this. There was a song by R.E.M. that said, uh, you guys remember the song, Losing My Religion, some of you older folks uh, out there. Part of the verse, uh, part of the chorus, it said, every day, every waking hour, I'm choosing my confession. And at this point in time, R.E.M. came up on the scene and they sang this song, Losing My Religion. And even that culture, and, and that was kind of my culture, we were tired of the religion. We were looking for a relationship. We just didn't know what it was. We didn't know that it was Jesus Christ. We didn't know that it was through the word of God. We were just looking for some kind of, of, of relationship, a spiritual relationship that we could have. You look at all the Eastern religions right now that are booming because people are looking for some kind of spiritual connection. Although it be demonic, they're still looking for a spiritual connection. So we've got to know that the seekers are searching. They just don't know what for yet. I remember I was an atheist. Uh, 2003, I finally gave my life to the Lord. There was a process of about three months um, that I had just walked into a church, a, a loving church, a, a, a church that had just planted. And I, what I didn't know what was happening was the pastor at that point in time was literally just leading me to know God. He, was, he didn't come full steam ahead and beat me with a Bible or tell me that I was a sinner and, and tell me that I'm going to go to hell. He literally lead, led me through this, what I didn't know at the time, was just this process of getting to know Jesus Christ. And he did it in a loving way. And that's exactly what we have to do as seekers. Seekers are tired of religion. Okay, They are tired of the hypocrisy. And one thing our church doesn't want to ever be is hypocritical. Our vision statement is to be relevant to our culture, but radical in the application of biblical truth. 
In other words, we're going to do what we talk about. We're not going to just sit in the seats and not do anything. We've got to go out and help and seek and save the lost. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. So if you're here and you're a seeker, maybe you're the, you're the person that is just trying to figure out this, this thing we call life. Like you're just trying to figure what it, what it is. I want to I kind of give you some things that you need to know. Okay, and some of these are going to sound kind of harsh, but I, I want you to, to know that God loves you, we love you, and we want you to know the truth. And so I'm going to speak truth. Amen? All right. So, number one, God is searching for you. When God knew you in the womb, God knew you when you were born, God knows every hair on your head, he is searching for you, just so you know. He is wanting to, to come and, and, and find you. Uh, there's a verse in the Bible that says Jesus goes, or that God goes off after the one. He leaves the 99 and goes after the one. That one is you. In other words, he is looking for you as you're searching for him. He knows where you are. Don't get me wrong. It's not like you're playing hide and seek with him. But he truly, adamantly wants everyone to come to saving grace through his son, Jesus Christ. That is not just some kind of, you know, uh, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for. That's, that, that's truth that God speaks in his word. He's wanting every one of you to come and know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Our problem with that is that we want to, to live in the flesh instead of live in the spirit. And when we start living in the spirit, meaning that we're following Jesus Christ, things start changing in our lives. They should start changing in your life. But first and foremost, you need to know that God is seeking for you. Luke 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. In other words, he is here looking for you. He is here coming after you. He is wanting to, to take those that are lost and bring him into the fold. And you know what's cool is uh, uh, we don't know a whole lot about shepherding in our society. Okay, we don't know a whole lot about, you know, tending a flock. I mean, most of you probably have never raised on a farm, and those of you who have, it's been so long, you've kind of forgotten. But what's cool about the, the, the sheep and the shepherd um, analogy that God uses is that everybody back then was pretty much a shepherd. So they kind of understood exactly what was going on. What would happen a lot of times is um, when a sheep would go off, uh, the, the shepherd would leave his flock and go off and find that sheep. And when he would bring it back, he would, he would put it in the fold. And this fold was kind of a rock uh, fence. All right, it was just basically, it was just a rock area, and they always had one end that was open. And what the shepherd would do is he would lay down in that gate. So if they didn't have a gate, the shepherd would actually just lay down and make sure that his sheep didn't leave. That's the kind of God that you and I serve. That's the kind of God that you and I is, is, uh, is seeking for. He's, he's out there looking for you right now. He's left the flock because the flock is okay. They're doing good right now. That's what the church is all about. And God is out there seeking you. Every single day he's trying to bring you into the flock, but he's also given you a will. He's also given you this thing uh, that is between your, eye, your ears. It's called a mind. It's called a thought process. And unfortunately, too many of us are living here and not living in our hearts. But just know that God is seeking you. Jesus both, he both wants to find you and save you. He does. That's why he came and died upon the cross. Second point is God is giving you a window of opportunity. And this is critical. 
This is critical. God has given you, as a person who is a seeker, a window of opportunity. That window is not always open, just so you know. In uh, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 6, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Now, my goal here is not to manipulate you or scare you, but to give you the truth. You only have a certain amount of time to be able to give your life to Jesus Christ. You have a small window of opportunity, and that's 70 years if you're lucky as a man at the average age, or 80 years as a woman. That's if you get to live just and, and die in your sleep at 70, 80 years old. We don't have that promise. We don't have the promise of tomorrow. We don't have the promise of the next five minutes. And so you only have a small window of opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ. He's given you, though, that time. Uh, uh, there, there, you know, maybe you're here today and you're hearing the message for the first time, the, the gospel message. Man, as Jared was talking earlier, the scripture that we read, you know, now is the time. There is no better time to give your life to Christ. Not because you, know, you can't get to a place where you, you're better or you, you know, look cleaner or you feel better. Like God wants you as you are now. He doesn't want you to wait until it's too late. So you have a small window of time uh, to accept Jesus Christ as, our, as your Lord and Savior. God is ready to accept you right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, he says, For he, which God says, at the acceptable time I listened to you, and on that day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. God is not waiting for you to get your act together. He wants you as you are. Come now, is what he's saying. There's no reason to wait. There's no, no magical formula that's going to get you any closer to God than accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior now. It doesn't help to wait till tomorrow or let me get my affairs in order. No, he wants you now. Today is the day of salvation, period. That's what the Word of God says. So, number three, as a seeker of Christ, or excuse me, as a seeker of whatever I'm seeking for, how do I become a Christian? How do I become a Christ follower? Our first point today is understanding God's purpose. You should have peace in life. God's purpose for your life is peace in your life and eternal life. Peace in life. How many of you have peace in life right now? Okay, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I should have peace in life. Is my life completely perfect? No, it's not. But I know who runs my life. I know if God's running my life, I don't have to worry about it. You know when i got to worry about it? It's when Jody starts running his life. When Jody steps in and says, I got it, God. I, I know better than you. Let me, let me work on my own life. That's when I screw it up. But when I give my life to Jesus Christ fully and wholly, the next thing you know, there is peace in life. My life verse is Romans 8, 6. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. The moment that I go back to the flesh, man, it's death, it's misery, it's worry, it's fear. It's all the things that God isn't. But the moment that I go back to the spirit and I'm confessing my sins and I'm reading the word of God and I'm praying. I'll take that later. Uh, when I'm praying and I'm in this relationship with God, man, I have peace. That's what we call the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Without the Spirit, without me relying on Jesus Christ, I don't have 
that kind of life. I don't have that kind of peace. Romans 5, 1 says, therefore, having been justified by faith. So it's by faith first. Let me just, let me make this point. It's by faith that I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Has anybody here met Jesus 2,000 years ago? No. It's by faith that I believe in the word of God. It's by faith that I know that it was written by 40 different authors over a 1,500-year period and that it was penned by God. Three different languages. It's impossible. I was just talking to somebody this past week. It's impossible for 40 authors over a 1,500-year period in three different languages to write something that is so unified, that is so beautiful, that is all about Jesus and all about God's love. It's impossible. If I were to take five people right now have you, has anybody ever played the telephone game? You know, like where you whisper in somebody's ear and you, you ask them to go and tell that next person, the next person. By the fourth or fifth person, the story's so screwed up that it makes no sense. That's not the way here. This is perfect. This is uh, infallible from Genesis to Revelations. That's truth. I've seen it. I've read it. I've searched it. I, matter of fact, I tried to dispute it when I was an atheist. I tried to figure out what was wrong with this. By faith, I have to rely on some things that are going to allow my salvation to happen. By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but what? Have eternal life. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. We are spending too much time with the enemy. We are, he doesn't want good things for us. He doesn't want to give you great. He wants to, 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 to put you in bondage. He wants to keep you in slavery. Jesus doesn't. He wants to give you that freedom. I can tell you right now, my biggest fear when, when I was, when God was just working on my heart before I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, my biggest fear were the sins that were in my life. I liked those sins. I liked doing those things, so I thought. I liked living that lifestyle because I thought it was good for me. But the moment that I gave my life by faith to Jesus Christ, he started working on those things, and I felt freedom. What I thought was, was, was good, what I thought was okay in my simple life, I felt freedom. I felt uh, a, a, a tranquility that I can't explain. God just started working on those sins and getting those out of my life, and there is peace there. I don't have to worry about what I did last night when I wake up in the morning. I don't have to worry about who I said something to because I'm living in the spirit and not in the flesh. How do I become a Christ follower? You understand God's purpose, peace, and life. Next is understand our problem. There's a problem with the spirit today that we are separated from God. As a newborn, you come into this world as a, as, a, as a little sinner, miniature sinner. You have what we call the sin nature. And there's this separation that happens between us and God. From, from birth till then, it's always about the flesh. It's always opposing forces that are trying to get us to go in the wrong direction. The world right now is being ruled by Satan. There will be a day when Jesus comes back and takes over. He is expecting his followers and his reproducers to build the kingdom while he's not here. But he did send us the, the Holy Spirit. We've got to realize until we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are separated from the love and the blessings of God. Now, don't get me wrong. The enemy can give you good gifts. Okay? 
He offered Jesus the world. All he had to do was bow down to him. So if you're willing to bow down to the enemy, you will have what we would consider a good life here on earth. But it would be a miserable life in eternity. When we understand that we are separated from God without his son, Jesus Christ, it brings us into reality that, man, I've got to make a decision. I've either got to accept him as my Lord and Savior or just continue and run with the devil. And I can tell you it won't go well with you if you run with the devil. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and what? Fall short of the glory of God. When I realize that, when I realize that I'm a sinner, even though I'm a good person, that's what the world will tell you. Oh, you're a good person. You're okay. No, you're still a sinner because you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Will you continue to sin even after that? Less. You will learn to sin less through that sanctification process, through the discipleship process, through learning to read your Bible and praying and having a repentant lifestyle. You will sin less. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is a free gift that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He shed his blood for our sins. That is free to you. But when you accept it, it will cost you everything, just so you know. The good thing about everything is I don't mean like it just costs you everything you lose. No, I'm talking, I'm talking you got to give your life to Jesus Christ, which will cost you. It'll cost you some friends. It will cost you uh, some work. It'll cost you some... When Jesus tells us to make sure that we count the cost. Are we willing to walk with him? The costs here are a lot less than they are in eternity, just so you know. Choose today to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Eternity is a long time in hell, just so you know, if we don't choose him. None of our attempts to reach God under our own power or ability will be successful. God has sent his spirit upon this earth after Jesus died. We have the Holy Spirit here to indwell in us. And I can tell you it's real. It changed my life. It changed my life. I didn't believe in God. And then finally, by faith, I, I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. And it has not been easy. 2003 to today has been a rough road. I'll just tell you that. But it's been a peaceful road. It has been a joyful road. It has been one of those that... Man, I just, I can't explain it. Like, this is, this is what I want to do the rest of my life is share that love of Jesus Christ with everybody in my sphere of influence. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way which seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. Society is telling you that all you've got to do is be a good person. Just be a good person. All roads lead to God. That's not true. All road but one leads to hell. The one road, which is a narrow path, a narrow road, if you will, that leads to Jesus. It's narrow because very few will follow it. It seems right to be very spiritual, and I love, and I give, and I, I do all of these things. I do exactly, and I give, you know, I, I give all my money to charities, and yeah, that seems right in your mind, but that is not what God is talking about. You have to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have to follow Jesus. Makes it... You know, we can, we can justify just about anything in our mind. I know that I did for a long, long time. We can justify it. Isaiah 59.2, Isaiah the prophet wrote, Your sins have cut you off from God. Because of your sin, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. There will be a time and day where God keeps knocking on your heart, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's done. 
He knows that at a certain point, like he did, knew, he knew Pharaoh, your heart, your heart is hardened. There may not be another chance for you. That's why we're talking about the window of opportunity is very, very small. Very, very small. So another thing that you need to do in order to become a Christian is understand what he has done for us on the cross. Understand what he has done for us on the cross. When we talk about the gospel, I think a lot of times we, you know, we're coming into Easter, and I think we'll take that for granted as well. We, we don't really understand what happened on the cross. We don't understand what, what, what changed. I mean, 2,000 years ago, the world changed, just so you know. Like in a way that you can't explain other than it being God. Because of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, because he willingly walked up on the cross for you and I, the world changed. I mean, everything that you look back in history, there was a B.C. and then there was an A.D. Like before Christ and after that, there was a certain point in that it changed the world. Not just because somebody wrote it in the Bible, because people actually witnessed it. People saw it. And it changed the world from then on. 1 Timothy 2.5, it says, For there is one God, one mediator, also between God and men, the man of Jesus Christ. From the beginning of time, Jesus had been planned between him and God and the Holy Spirit, who we call the Holy Trinity in heaven, that there was going to be this point in time, in a certain specific time in history, that Jesus would come in the flesh, come out of heaven. If you understand what heaven looks like, and I don't think we really do, but if you understand, he came out of that place. It'd be like you and I uh, living in our homes and then going to live under a bridge. He came out of heaven and he died for our sins. Like he walked upon the cross for you and I. And when I can realize, when I understand what the cross truly means, it ought to start changing your heart. That I had somebody willing to, there's not many people in this world that are willing to die for you. I'll just tell you that right now. When it came to, 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 to a pointed bullet or a guillotine or whatever, and somebody's going to say, oh, I'm going to take his, their place, there are very few people that would probably do that. But Jesus Christ did. He could have called 10,000 angels. He could have taken on the world right there. He just could have ended it all right then, but he willingly walked upon the cross. First Peter 3.18, it says, For Christ also died for sins once and for all, the just and the unjust. In other words, if you're sitting here today and you're a seeker, guess what Jesus died for? Your sins as well. He died for my sins as well. He died for everyone in this room, everyone in this community, everyone in this nation, everyone in this world. He died for their sins. But it's only effective if you, by faith, believe in Jesus Christ. It's only effective for eternity. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated his own love toward us, and yet while we were sinners, he died for us. Could you imagine going to the cross knowing that, man, none of these people deserve it? Like, there's, they don't deserve it. But yet he died anyway. While we were yet sinners. He didn't wait. He didn't say, okay, everybody come clean. Everybody go to the altar. Everybody confess, and then I will die for you once everybody does it. No, he went and died upon the cross knowing full well that some of you will never accept his love, his grace, and his mercy. The last part here is understanding our need, which is to receive Jesus Christ. 
we must trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and receive him personally. I can't make you get saved. The church can't make you get saved. A prayer is not going to make you get saved. You have to accept him willingly. You have to accept him by faith. You have to open up your heart, your mind, your eyes. Like You need to get this head knowledge of some of you believe in Jesus and haven't even gotten it to your heart yet. Some of you are still trying to figure out this head stuff because what society would tell you and what all these books that you read would say that, you know, this thing was all written by men. Well, just so you know, all the books that you read that said this was written by men were written by men, too. Just so you know. We know that this was wholly inspired. There, it's infallible. There's no disputes. There's no, there's, there's no separation. Like, there's a lot of stuff we don't know and we may never know until we get to heaven or even care when we get to heaven. But this is truth. This is truth. It's infallible. Once we understand that we need to receive Jesus Christ, not just because you're a good person, you're not going to get into heaven, just because uh, you don't beat your wife or beat your kids or you, you, you do all the things that the world would say is okay. No, you have to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Revelations 3.20 says, in this Jesus talking, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens it, I will come to him. I will dine with him and he with me. In other words, Jesus is waiting right at the door of your heart. Like he is just, the moment that you, you open the door for him, he's going to come in and he's going to reside in your life, in your heart, and he's going to take up space. And it's a great place for him to take up space, just so you know. And he's going to help you get through some of these things. He's going to give you the peace and the joy that you've been lacking. More importantly than anything, he's going to give you salvation. Because in this short little life of 70, 80 years, you have this massive expanse we call eternity. That's a long, long, long time. So, John 1.12, But as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe his name. So when I receive him and I believe in Jesus Christ, I am in his kingdom forever. When I start walking with him, I start following him. Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth as Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's no magic formula, no potion, no incantation that's going to save you. It's by believing, by faith, that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and accepting him as your Lord and Savior. So, let me give you some things that maybe you're sitting here as a seeker and you're ready to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I mean, kind of what we would say in the, the church world, this is kind of an order that we would suggest that you do. Uh, number one, admit that I'm a sinner. Not that I'm a good person, but that I'm a sinner. You may be a great person. But you're still a sinner. Admit that I am a sinner. Based on the word of God, if I disobey what God tells me in this word, what does that make me? A sinner. Period. Makes me a sinner. So I have to first admit that I'm a sinner. Number two, be willing to turn from your sins, which we call repentance. The first sin that we need to repent of is denying Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That should be the first thing that as I'm giving my life to the Lord that I, I repent of denying Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm repenting to God for that. Number three, 
Believe that Jesus died for you on the cross and rose from the grave. This is what we call the gospel. We believe that he was born of a virgin birth. We believe that he walked a sinless life, that he taught, that he preached, that he healed, that he walked on water, like all the miracles that we talk about in the Bible, we believe in that, and that he gave his life willingly upon the cross. The reason that they crucified him was not because of the miracles and the preaching and the teaching. It was because he claimed to be God, which he was. The moment that he did that, guess what? Blasphemy in the, Jewish, in the Jews' eyes, and they crucified him for that. He willingly walked upon the cross. He carried a cross from, uh, up to Golgotha. They nailed him to it. A few hours later, he died from suffocation just because he was held like this for so long. Eventually, you just keep taking and look shorter and shorter breaths, and you die. They confirmed it. They knew that he was dead. They put him in a grave sealed the grave, stuck 10 Roman soldiers in front of it. I don't know if that's the exact number. Uh, they stuck Roman soldiers in front of it. Three days later, the Roman soldiers were asleep, rock moved away, tomb rolled away, and there was no body in the tomb. And we know that he came, over 500 people witnessed him over the next 40 days uh, in a new body. All he had was holes in his hands and his side. And he was going around discipling, and he was making sure that uh, people were taken care of, and people saw him. And then he gave a command to his disciples as he was leaving to, to go back to heaven, 40 days later, to make disciples. Teach them all that I commanded you. That in itself is the gospel. We've got to believe, believe that he died on the cross and rose from the grave. Number four, through prayer, invite Jesus to come in and control your life. Through the Holy Spirit, receive him as your Lord and Savior. Let me tell you right now, if you're a seeker here and your heart is pounding out your chest, by hearing the truth of the word, that is most likely the Holy Spirit. That is most likely the Holy That's not you, you know, uh, having, uh, you know, a cardiac arrest. That is the Holy Spirit literally knocking on your heart, uh, getting you to open up your mind and your eyes to the truth of the word. Through prayer, invite Jesus to come in and control your life through the Holy Spirit. Receive him as your Lord and Savior. And then number five, be baptized in obedience to Jesus' command, Matthew 28, 19, and demonstrate your dedication to your new life. And so when you accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, again, there's no magical prayer. There's no magical formula. These are some things that we would walk somebody through that is a seeker uh, to receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. But then there's the, the, the discipline part after that. You've got to be discipled. You've got to get to know Jesus Christ. You've got to get to read your word. You've got to learn to pray. And those are things that through discipleship, the reason we're teaching this series right now is so that we can walk you through this, so we can teach you what that looks like. We have a, a lot of people who will come and, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus Christ. And a week later, they're, two weeks later, they're back out into the world. And Jesus gives a great parable of the sower of the seed, and he is the sower, and these seeds that go out, there's, there's four types of seed, the one that, that hits the rocky soil and is blown away. Okay, that's the, that's the person that's heard the word, but it's not going to do anything with the word. And then you have the one, and this is unfortunately for a lot of people in the church today, that they, that they started to grow, and then the worries of the world took them away. And then you have those that... Uh, 
will never, they, they get wrapped up, they, they try to grow, and then they get wrapped up in the thorns and the thistles, and they allow the worries of the world to just to, to dwell on them, and they are then plucked out and burned in the fire. And that's where Jesus is talking about those in the church um, act like Christians but aren't necessarily Christians, haven't really given their life to the Lord. And then the fourth is one that's planted in the good soil. And as I speak the gospel, and if you receive the gospel, Lord, learning to get into that good soil is learning to be disciple, learning to read your Bible, learning to pray, and learning to have a repentant lifestyle, and then and go and do likewise. That's how you become a Christian. And then you need to accept God's assurance from his word. John 5, 24 says, Jesus promises this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but has passed out of life into de to death. We need to believe that once we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, guess what? I have eternity in heaven. I have no fear anymore of death. I personally don't. Like, that's totally fine. Let, let, if we go today, let's go. If I go in another 25, 30 years, that's fine. I, I have no fear of death anymore because I know where I'm going. The seekers and those that are out in the world that started, haven't even started seeking, they are worried. They are they, are, they have no clue what's going on. As a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't have to worry about that. Romans 10, 13, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, for, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. In Galatians 3, 26 through 27, for you are sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you who are baptized in Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. God gives us some great promises for those who will accept him as their Lord and Savior. There's a lot of good promises. A lot of worry that I don't have to worry about. A lot of fear that I don't have to have anymore when I give my life to, to Jesus Christ. So, if you're sitting here today, and maybe you're a follower and an owner or a reproducer... How can you influence those that are seekers? I want to go over some quick points here. How can I influence those that are seekers? And to those of you who are seekers, just so you know that a goal or the, 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 the purpose of a Christian's life is to share the love of Jesus Christ. So don't take offense to it. Don't think that we think less of you. Don't think that, you know, we're trying to beat you with the Bible. Just know that we want you to have the same love and the grace and the mercy and the peace and the eternal life that we have. Without a shadow of a doubt, I mean, I, I don't doubt it. And I know many of you don't doubt it either. So, so don't fear that. So if you're trying to influence a seeker, here's some things that you can do. First and foremost, be loving. Be loving. Love somebody. Just show them that you love them. Share your testimony with them. Show them uh, the hospitality of bringing them into your home to, to have a meal, to break bread with them. Love on them, first and foremost. That's what we should be doing. Don't all of a sudden start hellfire and brimstone. 1 Corinthians 13, if you want to know what love is, read 1 Corinthians 13. Read 1 Corinthians 13. I want to read a couple of verses here. If I speak with tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. I could get up here and preach all day long, but if I don't have the love in my heart to show you that I have love, 
It's just a clanging cymbal. It's a clanging gong. Like, if you didn't truly understand that I love to share the gospel, that I want you to know Jesus Christ, it would just be a religion to you. It would just be a, a sermon to you. And I hope that you feel that in the message. I have the gift of prophecy. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have all the faith as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but I do not have love, it profits me nothing. It's easy to love your family. It's hard to love the unlovable. But that's where we are to be. We are to love those that are unlovable, that those that are seeking, they need that love. That's why Jesus gave us, that's what Jesus gave us. He gave us that same kind of love, and we've got to be given that love as well. Be real. Not only be loving, but be real. If you've ever been a seeker at one point in time, what was the number reason, number one reason you didn't come to church? What? Fake? Exactly. They're fake. They're hypocrites. You know, they don't, you know, they talk over here and then do this over here. We've got to be real. Listen, we sin. Okay? As a follower of Jesus Christ, I sin. I stumble. That's not my number one goal. I have bad days. Okay? We all do. But, but at the same time, I've got to be real. You've got to be real. Jesus talked about hypocrisy in the book of Matthew over 13 times. You know why? Because the religious people, what they were wanting to do is they would go out on the street corners and raise holy hands and, and pray so everybody could see them. But Jesus knew what was in their heart. It was just a show. That's not real. We all struggle. We're all going through some of the same things. And that's what seekers need to know is that we love them, that we want to be real with them, that, man, it's not easy. And we don't have all the answers. And I wish we did, but we don't. We've got to be real with them. Three, we've got to be patient. 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 16. It is a trustworthy statement deserving all full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Among, who am I? First and foremost, this is what Paul was telling Timothy. And I'm the worst sinner that there was. That's what Paul's saying. That's what you and I have got. We can't think that we're high and mighty, that we're so far above everybody else. We are also sinners as well. But I'm saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. Yet for this reason, I found mercy, so that in me as, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might have demonstrated his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Jesus is patiently waiting for you. He is patiently waiting for you to make a decision to follow him. From the word of God, I may spend some time with them. I may have the ups and downs with them, and we go through some major things, but I've got to be patient with them. And you need to be patient with them. It takes a lot. Very, very few people all of a sudden go, bam, I got it. I'm a believer. I want to take off running. There are very few that do that. We a lot of times it's baby steps to get a seeker to a follower to owner to reproducible Christian. And last but not least is be bold. And I don't mean be bold as in, man, do you know Jesus? Hey, do you want to hear Jesus? Do you want to, let me share my test. Like, I'm not talking about being bold, but I'm talking about being bold enough to share what Jesus Christ is doing in your life, to share the love of Jesus Christ, to, to serve like Jesus Christ, to, love, to, to give like Jesus Christ. That's what I'm talking about, being bold. 
You and I have got to be ready to give our testimony. That's why I always say have a two-minute, a 10-minute, a 45-minute version of your testimony. I've got to be ready to be bold when God calls me to be bold. I'm not just going out, you know, it's, it's called fishing for men, not hunting. Like you don't walk out and blast them with the word of God and shoot them and drag them into the church. No, you're fishing, like, but you still want to be bold. 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16. But sanctify Christ as your Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ Jesus will be put to shame. As a follower of Jesus Christ, man, I've got to keep my wits about me. You've got to keep your wits about you. And for those that are here that are seekers, just know that we're fallible. The word of God is not. Jesus Christ is not. And so as we try to share an infallible person in our life, just know that we will probably screw it up somehow, some way. Not on purpose, not because we're mean, just because we're like you. We're trying to figure this out just as much as you are. But I can show you the truth. I'm living out the truth to the best of my ability with the power of the Holy Spirit. My spirit and God's spirit like to fight a lot. But slowly but surely, I'm dying to the flesh every single day. And that's what we all have to do. So if you're a seeker here today, and you've been trying to figure things out, I would say today is the day to stop running, stop hiding, to stop trying to figure it all out, and by faith, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You guys, well, I want you to just bow your heads right now. I just want you to think about where you are right now as we talk about these stages of life that we go through in Christianity. If you're a, a follower or an owner or you're even a, you've made it to the reproducible Christian, man, just what's weighing on you? What sins are hindering you from doing what God has called you to do? What can you do to, to, to change those? Number one, you can repent. You can lay it all down at the foot of the cross and just walk away from it. And that's what I would suggest that you do. Stop living in the sin that you have in your life and make some changes. Get closer to God every single day. If you're a seeker here today and you don't know if you know Jesus Christ, I would suggest right now is the day that you just decide that you're going to follow Jesus Christ. That you stop running. That you stop hiding. I promise you, it's fun. It's amazing when you finally give your life to the Lord and you allow him to take over. You have no one to blame anymore. You can just say, God, take over this life. Not only do I need help here on this earth, but I want eternity in heaven. If that's you today, just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you want to stop running and finally give your life to the Lord, I just ask right now, just raise your hand. 